So uh, today's guest uh, is my friend and uh, Dina, who's going to talk about her Survivor Day that happened a few years ago. I don't know, I forget how many years ago, but she's going to tell you all of that information. And and uh, yeah, I'm going to go for there. And that's it. So let's welcome Mara out. Hey, Dina. Hi. So uh, before we get started, uh, can you tell uh, people a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you got started? Okay, well, my name is Dina Buno, and how I get how I got started. You mean what I do now? You mean yeah. Well, I do a couple of things. One of them, you know, I'm Dina Buno, and I will be 55 in like three weeks. Like July 6th is my birthday, so it's two and a half weeks from today. And so, speaking of that's my real birthday, but today is actually my survivor day of 12 years. So I uh, called it my rebirth, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I actually had no idea I would be doing what I do. Um, so now I am an autism advocate, and what... And so my speaking engagements, I was a bigger public speaker going into schools and, you know, colleges and, you know, some lecture halls, meaning they had conferences and I would go and advocate and sometimes teach a workshop. But now um, while I'm waiting for September to come up, um, you know, the pandemic had uh, slowed a lot down. Um, so uh, I've done some virtual, but right before the pandemic, I got certified with, to as an autism uh, certified autism specialist and also a CPS, which is certified peer specialist, like a recovery specialist. And I work with people like myself who have mental health challenges and PTSD and uh, more complicated mental illnesses like um, like OCD, schizophrenia, and you know bipolar. So um, that's what I do. Also, I just opened up a business during uh, the month of April, which is for my art. It's so I'm selling my art. So it was like a hobby just enjoying it. And then uh, my art teacher and I talked about. Uh, it, and it just grew. It started getting bigger. Um, and I, you know, so I marketed myself and now I sell also on Saturdays during the farmer's market. So it's a little bit of everything. So uh, for people who haven't seen your movie and without giving away too much of it, I, I mean, not the movie per se, but about your Survivor Day, but uh, can you tell people a little bit about uh, what happened during that day, but without spoiling the movie? Well, without uh, spoiling it, it's kind of hard because so many people, they enjoyed the movie, um, and believe it or not, that that part of my story only added to 
more anxiety and more PTSD, which are mental illnesses, so generalized anxiety. But, um, you know, I don't have to go on in detail about what the movie's about, but I'm a, a survivor of so many things. But uh, 12 years ago, I was, or 13 years, 12 years ago, was the end of my relationship with this um, mentally ill man. And we were the same age. And I think in my part, in my growth period, uh, he fell through the cracks of the mental health system, which you see very often today. And I was too much into saving people with broken wings, if you will. And I didn't recognize, um, you know, people had told me that I might have PTSD, but I had anxiety disorder and sometimes these little mental illnesses that go along with Asperger's syndrome are often misdiagnosed because they all come out the same way. So, um, you know, one time with my anxiety, someone actually said that I might have had bipolar, which there's nothing wrong with that if you are willing to. That's what I was a survivor of at first. But then June 17th or June 16th in the middle of the night, which made it June 17th, I survived a traumatic attack. It was a knife-wielding attack. Is that a good statement for you? Um, so, um, you know, I don't want to scare anybody, but... Um, I was in a relationship in 2007 with a man that I knew for 20 years. And I knew he had problems, but so do I, you know, and I'm not prejudiced. But I just lost my first husband in 2006. So, you know, I wasn't, I don't think that you really ever get over it. But John had told me when he was dying, I mean, it was such a wonderful guy. He said, you know, I want you to go out. You know, but it's very hard. I mean, as much as I grieved, he said, I want you to go out and I want you to date. And um, he was a wonderful guy. He sat me down. I mean, you know, we tried to make his death easy, but it's not really that, you know, easy. So I had unresolved PTSD, unresolved anxiety, unresolved OCD, and moving on is very difficult and this friend of mine and I contacted each other from way back when and looking back he was a very troubled individual and he had gotten in trouble with the law before he had alcohol and drug issues and you know he used to tell me um throughout my life but I didn't you know I wasn't with him and you know he would tell me oh it's this person's fault or that and I didn't understand the tendencies of a person who was psychopathic, if you will, like he would tell me that he would beat up women, but, you know, I was on the spectrum. So, you know, being a person that was kind of naive and seeing good in everybody, I kind of just brushed that right off. And, you know, um, I felt that, uh, John always took care of me, and so I misjudged what he was saying with go and find somebody nice, you know. But at the same time, I found myself in that year that I lost John 
for some reason, I found myself drawn to people when I felt very alone because when somebody dies, you lose the majority of your friends. People become too busy and nothing was, there were things that would satisfy my, my life, but for some reason I gravitated and the conversations got deeper and he started, you know, in our own specific way, he started telling me, oh, I'm going to be here for you and you don't have anybody, which was not true. But, you know, this was a potential romantic relationship and then it grew. And over the, the year that we went out, it was very pleasant. But was I in love with him? No. And so as I realized, as I healed into a healthy person and um, I probably had unresolved issues and was afraid because the world is very cold when you lose somebody with, you'll find another guy and you'll see him again when you die. And um, it was meant to be, and he's up in heaven and he's watching you, all these things. So, um, you know, well, I moved from my place to, I moved from my place somewhere down the line and I was already, and so I was not in the relationship yet, but I was, after I moved out of me and John's house, I got into that relationship and I was in my new place and uh, things were starting to fall into place and I didn't realize. And so anyway, to make a long story short, he, we were going out a whole year and I started to see some signs and, you know, by the second year I was getting more brainwashed that he was going to save me and I was going to be okay. And, you know, this, this stuff and, oh, my family doesn't love me anymore and whatever, you know, and, uh, I started believing this and by, uh, by the spring of 210, I was starting to get brainwashed. And, um, you know, but what happened was nine months earlier, I broke up with him. I was just fed up with it and I moved on. And I don't know why, but, you know, I uh, went out and I dated and I dated somebody very briefly, um, long distance. So we were like really close. And he was a really nice guy. And like David started getting really mean. And there was a course of severe abuse that was going on for the last year, but I kept it a secret. And what kind of abuse? Well, it was. Um, Forget everything that you know about a web browser because you will be blown away by psychic browser. It's no ordinary web browser like Firefox, Google Chrome, Microsoft Edge, and all the other web browsers out there. It's based on productivity. And let me just name a few other functionalities that it has. It's very fast. It blocks ads by default. You don't see that with Google Chrome, do you? No. And... There's also a sidebar, built-in sidebar, so you can have all your uh, tools and systems all in one place without having to go search and wait for 
wait for the web page to load. It's just right there with the click of a button. Try Psychic out below with the link in the show notes and descriptions for more information about Psychic. It'll boost your productivity probably tenfold. Because that's what I use it for, is productivity. Check out Psychic and tell them I sent you. A lot of physical violence, a lot of sexual violence. You know, like, so um, mental abuse. I was emotionally abused. By then, I was very brainwashed to believe everything he said. So he started to keep me in the house and tell me that I was owned by him and... Um, people were like looking for me and uh, but then on the other hand he would buy me these presents and say he's sorry and he was just very dysfunctional Um, he would make fun of me and uh, you know he told me one time when he started getting very violent and grabbing my hands and tying them up in my house and you know not to get graphic but it's a very important thing that um, I did some studying and I learned, but I found out during the course of my recovery from this that a lot of people on the spectrum are lonely and brainwashed and begin to believe that they're really not worth it at all. And so, um, you know, I started getting PTSD there. I started, uh, you know... Um, not uh, not functioning well. I mean, I was barely, you know, I couldn't keep a job. I couldn't, I could, you know, I had to go on disability. You know, I was already disabled, but um, I um, was uh, very mentally depressed. And so um, when he physically abused me, he said, you know, I still love you. And but one time he said, one time I was like, um, you know, he would yell at me and he would start saying, do this right now or else you know what the consequences are going to be. Or, um, you know, I had this other cat uh, that had passed and he said to me, like, I'm going to end up killing it. Or he started threatening me um, and uh you know, he was having some affairs, but he told me it was okay. I mean, he got very graphic. Um, one time he told me that I have to have punishments issued out to me because I was so bad. And I got really, like, um, depressed. And then the last week, you know, after he hit me and I was black and blue, I confessed to my friend Patrick, who um, he said, listen, kiddo, this guy's not good. And then, like... The same week I was trying on clothes and I totally was brainwashed. I was trying to hide my back from people and all the welts that he caused. And it showed up in the hospital when I was like, when they were checking me out after all the wounds, but it was a knife wielding attack. And so all this led up. So one night when I couldn't sit down at all, you know, and I was in so much pain, you know, So I was talking to a friend and they said, are you safe? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next day I went to a meeting and the same person said to me, 
this teacher friend of mine named Ed Sickles, he said, are you safe? And I said, yeah. And he let me go home. He was going to keep me on his couch. And that was the night it happened. And I was sitting on the couch and I said, we're going for a psych evaluation out of the weird thought. So he said, okay, well, I said, you sleep on the couch. You're not sleeping with me. Like, so earlier that night he was crying and like all week long, he was like, if you don't take me back, you know, so I led him back into my life because separation assault is what I call is very rough. And that night I woke up in the middle of the night and it was like one o'clock. And um, well, do you want me to mention the raw details? Like, uh, well, we know that, you know, sure, as long as you keep it PG. Yeah. yeah oh, okay. So what happened was I got attacked. It was a, a weapon wielding attack. And it was 29 and a half times. I don't, I can't really figure out why, but someone said 22, but it was like 29. So he was arrested on the spot, but. I'm not going to spoil or alert, you know, that whole thing. But I was in the hospital um, and I, I was rushed into surgery. When I had a lacerated kidney and lung punctures. And, you know, so I had to relearn how to, you know, walk on my own. I had to be catheterized and Thank God my memory was still clear because I lost all this blood. So at that time I was on morphine. And um, why didn't you ask me some questions about the hard part was once he was arrested, like, was he going to get out of jail? You know, was he going to get off the hook? Because what happened was the cops finally came um, to me, but it took all that. So I called the cops five or six times in the month before. And in September, the cops came to my house that I wanted to call Harmony. And and uh, they came and said, okay, well, do you love her? And he was like, yeah. And you're a good girl, Dinar. We love each other. And he was like faking it. And then, you know, we found out that there was somebody on the staff that was like going to retire soon. And, you know, what happens is people, these couples play cat and mouse games when there was a true domestic violence incident. And, um, you know, so uh, when I tried to tell something seriously with just saying, you know, take this guy, you know, um, so... It started, so it was hard because I got so brainwashed that, you know, people kept telling me that, you know, it was very hard, you know, to hear from your mother that, you know, I didn't tell her the full story. Just like I told her I broke up with him and that he wasn't so swift and you don't know what to think. So, um, you know, the worst part going through this PTSD, you know, well, I'm going to let you speak and ask me questions that lead up to what you want and what, what can I, you know, what else can I tell you? Cause I feel that I want to follow what you're saying. So how come you, I know you said you were brainwashed and 
för att uh, years that you were with him was it yeah. months what was it years or months well, that well I was brainwashed I was brain I was with him for about two and a half years so it was about a year it was about two years that I was brainwashed but I really got brainwashed in the last in the last six months it was like January to June so what happened was you know he would be real nice and then he would be real mean so you know um you know when he would tell me that oh you know that i'm doing this for your own good um you know i was very i was mistaken um for what a boyfriend should be like and I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't feel good. And I wasn't going with my gut, which some people on the spectrum, you know, they're more naive. And it's kind of like hard for all of us on the spectrum, whether they're on the high end or the low end. You know what I mean? Well, how come you didn't go with uh, uh, to Dan's house at that time? Because, you know... You know that you had that kind of that gut feeling. Why didn't you listen to it? Well, it's very hard because it's called separation assault. And so it was Dan's father, Ed. So, um, so I um, didn't want to go to his house because I didn't want to be a burden. And I was told in an argument with some heated words by somebody, you're nothing but a burden. And so all it made me do was act in frustration of a person who was on the spectrum, like, um, like, uh, don't come crying to me anymore if uh, something happens. So the night before somebody said, it was like a week before someone said to me, it serves you right because you're going to get attacked and, and all that. And they felt really bad after i was in the hospital and they came to visit and all that like so you know people were frustrated so like that was the reason um so um i actually did a workshop with cops about that how to you know when i started to heal from ptsd the ptsd was making me acts like it was already kicking in i am what you call an indie podcaster if i run out of money there's nobody backing crazy fitness guy how you can support crazy fitness guy is becoming a premium subscriber to crazy fitness guy premium podcast our first plan is called low crazy you'll get 100 percent ad-free content with zero sponsorships and zero commercials the second plan we have is called Cra- Crazy. For $3.99 a month, you get access to the full episodes for the full library archives, early access to the shows, all episodes are ad-free, shout-outs are on the show, and you will get be helping support our mission, and all the episodes are unedited. For the next plan, if you go year-long for $30 a year, they're extremely crazy, you get you get everything in the crazy plan, plus you'll get access to exclusive members' private private Facebook group and bonus access 
ask me about anything episodes, and you get to suggest topics for the show in the Facebook group. So if that, so if you want to help support Crazy Fitness Guy, there's three plans starting at $2.99 a month, going up to $30 a year. So it's $2.99, the next plan is up is $3.99, and then $30 a year. So thank you for all your support for for the years and I hope I can I'm looking forward to continue making content just for you. Thank you. To become a premium podcast subscriber, click the links in the show notes and see which plan is right for you. And it was a fight or flight, so I went back and forth. Just like I do now. So if you witness a lot of behavior of these meltdowns, I mean I had anxiety really bad, but PTSD, like if someone I I'm a hugger, but like it was like I was surprised that when people came to see me in the hospital was accepting hugs, but like the worst part was that I remember David, you know, doing things to me like trying to shut me up, so like he shoved a napkin in my mouth and like for a while I was afraid of that white napkin. I had to like throw it away. It was like a cloth napkin and I would gag every time I would see it. And then, you know, I got over that because like I had a lot of exposure, you know, but like um, now all I think of is that to tell people, you know, go with your gut. And that means if it doesn't feel good, then get out of it. And also, I got lucky because this is the apartment it happened in, but it was my place and we had paper hangers and we had cleaning people and we had new stuff. I mean, my family worked really hard to like clean the place up and, you know, take pictures. But for the most part, um, I didn't even know that I was going to be walking like I'm on three floors and I had a lot of physical therapy from June 7th. Like I was, um, I was attacked on June 17th. And from the time that I was able to sit up and, you know, like I think for three days I was out of it. So I was in a self-induced coma. And then I think, you know, imagine having tubes coming out of everywhere and the end of the first week, you're not able to eat anything and they have to move your body. So, like, um, that was probably hard. And then you start feeling things. Like, you're constantly on morphine. And, you know, I... How long were you in the hospital for? Well, June 17th, I was brought in. And I came out on June 30th. That's two weeks of the hospital. And that's a long time. And then they moved me over to a... I went to a fancy rehab for two weeks. So it was about, a uh, all the, I came home. So it was J- July, uh, July 1st to June 17th. So exactly one month. And I was back in my apartment in six weeks. So like it was redone and it's pretty amazing because like, I thought that I was never going to come home, but I came like, 
pretty amazing. How come you didn't? How come you didn't decide not to move? And my, if that happened to me, I would literally have to move. Yeah, people ask me that all the time. Um, does that bother you as a person that, like, I decided not to move because I felt like I was, again, not being strong when I really was. I felt like that a lot of people said the doctors and nurses said we'll pay for, like, a new place. And I kept saying that. I'm not out to get freebies of anything. I just want to like things to be normal. You know, how bad is that? And so I, they, they didn't show me the pictures of the actual apartment, how it looked, but you know, I got up, I was under like fight or flight mode. So when he did this, I don't know whether I passed out from shock, but I got up and I walked, I fell off the bed and that resulted in these two little bones in my, in my thumb. So imagine two little tiny bones, you know, you have, um, you have 27 in each hand, I think like two little tiny bones in the, in the wrist or the thumb were broken. They were like fractured. And so I had this sling, but by the time I went to rehab, that was done. So, like, it was just about healed up. So, like, I got up, walked into the kitchen, and was, like, thinking at first when I woke up, oh, my God, you know, it's a female thing that goes on. You know, I didn't know what the blood was from. I was like, did I cut myself? What's going on? And then I went into the kitchen, and I was so thirsty. Like, I just wanted to drink a big glass of water or juice. So I went in and I got some juice and I'm drinking it down and I wash my hands and I'm wondering why, like, I'm not making sense. And then it clicked. I'm drinking the juice and, you know, I saw a lot of blood and it wasn't ending and I'm still in shock. So, like, I literally, like, was walking and then my legs gave out. So they don't know. And then you know, there were kick wounds. So I fell and I felt this movement and I couldn't walk anymore. And I'm like pushing myself and I grabbed the phone, but I hung up because I was out of it. And people didn't get why, you know, I'm used to getting questions like, why didn't you move? But like someone also said um, that I think it's brave of you to stay in the place because, you know, you saw my place. It's kind of like, um, it's awesome. And, you know, like I was like, I felt safe and I wanted to feel that way. And I know what it's like to be strong. So, you know, so my mom and my sister and like my dad and my brother, they all did things. So I, they got a recovery fund and like, I mean, money came in from a recovery fund. They had this fundraiser with a band when I was in the hospital and just think I was getting out. See, now you can hear some things on my survivor day and I don't like ambulances. That's one of my pet peeves. Talk about adding autism to the mix, something I was born with, you know, and then you get, you know, I'm laughing now because it's a coping skill, but 
get me on a day when PTSD, you know, like I had earlier, um, when my dander gets up, the sound. So sometimes, like, I like to watch cop shows. So, like, the thing is that I know it sounds weird, but I don't look at myself as, like, self-pity because I've seen people who are worse. I mean, it could have been 11 years, like, those girls who were kidnapped in that house, that, like, the house of horrors, that was worse. I mean, I might have had it for um, a year, but these people had it, like, those people couldn't see daylight. Like, this guy was crazy, but, like, he was mentally abusive mostly, and this is my theory. It's a simple fact is when it doesn't feel good, talk about it because there's always somebody there to help you. There's domestic violence hotlines. And then, you know, like Robin McGraw, I know it's like I'm all over the place, but, you know, like Robin McGraw now has this like app that you can ask a neighbor or somebody like a light can go on. And I think it's mostly for houses, but the whole idea was I'm on the, on the board for when the silence on domestic violence for like, um, not when the silence for domestic violence, um, like rain and, you know, like these hotlines where women are being abused. And I feel very blessed that I got to stay in my house, but I'm glad that, you know, he's still in jail, but you know, part of me does not fear myself getting hurt because there's, a restraining order, and there was a thing on my phone. But I do fear if he gets out and hurts somebody else because I'm a compassionate person, and it makes me stronger. But, you know, I also get frustrated that the biggest population to get, you know, assaulted is the autism spectrum, the mental health spectrum, and the LBGQ, you know, like, um, did you ever, you know, like the Laramie project, which deals with like this Matthew Shepard, who, who, uh, I read the book, he ended up getting murdered in Laramie, Wisconsin. And it's not just about like my story. It's like, Matthew is not here to tell about it because he was murdered. But like, for some reason, do you see why I celebrate I mean, I'm still here. I was supposed to be dead times, 10 times over. So someone's looking out for me. So every time I like have this meltdown, I mean, this is the thing. I have PTSD. So remember when I told you a few times, because you're my friend, that there's times when I feel like I'm suffering in my head and it's telling me, why are you still alive? Like I feel bad sometimes. So when mm -hmm. I have celebrations, I feel like, it's telling me that I'm a survivor. So like, because, you know, I know it sounds weird, but when I was growing up and I was different, people let me know. And so when I was on the panels and things traveling, Antonio and Dan both, there was an interview that was being done 
I think you saw that guy, Rich, who was doing the Jezebel magazine. And he said that it seemed like I was always surviving in, in survival mode. And so, like, I seem to be punished for your differences. Like, uh, when I was in school, um, that could Dina do this? And if we, and like, there was always, like, like if they gave me like minimal work in special ed. It was kind of like I made myself do harder work so I can prove to getting murdered in Laramie, Wisconsin. And it's not just about like my story. It's like Matthew is not here to tell about it because he was murdered. But like for some reason, do you see why I celebrate? I mean, I'm still here. I was supposed to be dead times 10 times over. So someone's looking out for me. So every time I like have this meltdown. I mean, this is the thing. I have PTSD. So remember when I told you a few times, because you're my friend, that there's times when I feel like I'm suffering in my head and it's telling me, why are you still alive? Like I feel bad sometimes. So when mm -hmm. I have celebrations, I feel like it's telling me that I'm a survivor. So like, because, you know, I know it sounds weird, but when I was growing up and I was different, people let me know. And so when I was on the panels and things traveling, Antonio and Dan both, there was an interview that was being done. I think you saw it, that guy, Rich, who was doing the Jezebel magazine. And he said that it seemed like I was always surviving in, in survival mode. And so, like, I seem to be punished for your differences. Like, uh, when I was in school, um, that could Dina do this? And if we, and like, there was always, like, like, if they gave me like minimal work in special ed, it was kind of like I made myself do harder work so I can prove to people. And people said, Why do you want to prove things? And I said, Because. Um, it's not proving to other people. It's like proving to myself. Like, so one of the things I learned was that through all this healing is sometimes we wish that we could be friends with people and they don't like us back. And the thing that happened to me is, you know, that um, being needy and being wanted doesn't feel very nice. So like, I try to celebrate myself or celebrate, you know, with friends. That's why I asked if you wanted to celebrate today, this milestone, because we didn't always have it easy. You know what I mean? Because when two autistic people get together, it's like um, all the things that I work for, we all clash. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes I just wish that we could have pets and know people, you know, but that's not possible. Um, that's why my imagination, that's why I like to paint mermaids and creatures because, you know, so like, um, I remember one of my big stories was, um, I was in the hospital and I was having a few really good days there and I was in, and it was towards the end of the week and the lawyer who, who won my case, uh, John Walko, I hope he's listening, but 
he came in and the cops and all that and there were two different times and so then like a couple of days later the the lead detective had came in and they were like telling me that I'm safe and that I was going to be okay. But when the lawyer came in, I was having a really bad day and the stitches were itching me and I was feeling really awful about the bandages and looking at the big scar on my stomach that, um, that people could stare if I, you know, I was worried about all the scars all over because I had bandages. So I was afraid to look. And he said, hey, you're alive and and you're going to be okay." And like, but I was like, um, I remember I had like a tube in my throat and I couldn't eat for like a week. And then I had to have liquids because then, you know, so I was like saying, can you I was afraid, like if I moved a certain way. And I felt just really blessed that I wasn't like throwing up. I mean, little did they know that scar tissue would get in the way and I had to have surgeries to repair much, much later. You know, like five years later, I was still suffering with ailments. I think I'm almost um, pretty done with that, but I'm in good health. But, you know, somebody told me, uh, one doctor had actually said, you know, like they didn't they didn't really know at the prognosis yet but they were like talking to my dad and they said like the joints in my lower limbs aren't really like healing as good as they thought cuz they thought that I would so I was like attacked down below as well on the on the legs and so I had like repairs done and so then another doctor said we have a plan with physical therapy and you know they had all these plans like if i don't walk again i'll get a a wheelchair ramped apartment like you know but i was so drugged up i didn't really hear this and then by that time they had a person saying if you complete two weeks of, if you complete rehab if you go to this fancy rehab and i was really scared like rehab what's it going to be am I going to not have the safety of the hospital you know I'm you know what I mean like I'm scared the internet can be a, a distraction place it, it's full of distractions like social media shopping and so many more websites that are very distracting just like video games and whatnot but it is all over the place so much noise going on well with a blocker tool like Freedom Blocker, it can block all those distraction websites that you find distracting. I block uh, RuneScape, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and all the social media marketing tools. Without Freedom Blocker, I wouldn't be able to uh, run crazyfitnessguy.com because I'd be distracted all day long, but thanks to them. So uh, I'm no longer distracted. Go to visit the um, web link in the show notes for more information about Freedom Blocker, for more information about what they do, what they are, and whatnot. And you can, and the best part about Freedom Blocker, you can use it on all of your devices, Apple, Windows, Macs, tablets, and more. Visit them to find, learn more 
information. And then I get there, it's fancy, ritzy buffet breakfast every day uh, uh, activities like um, like um, a candy cart and a, and uh, I can uh, you know but I had to get on the treadmill and I had to you know those stuff that you see in those movies like if you watch regarding Henry where the guy got shot he came back well this was a luxury place with like good food like we're talking buffets every day if you want um your choice you know like it was like it was better than a regular hospital and abington's pretty darn good um but i had well wishes and packages and all these people that loved me that um when i think of that day um you know my life is very different now and has a lot of meaning but um there was a lot of people I had to cut out of my life because that weren't good anymore. So well, I was curious, why, why were people like different towards you? They were they just like, hey, you know, what were you making us up? Because you know, what's really interesting that you're saying that that's a very, very fabulous point that you have there. Jim, um, some people really thought I was making it up. They said, "Well, I do try to make good points." Yeah, well, no, but I'm just saying it's funny because um, the look on their face when even my brother told the story to his friends. Um, well, the crazy issue was uh, one of the cops. Uh, one of the cops was at a picnic that my sister-in-law was at. She said, "I didn't really want to come. My sister-in-law just got attacked," and you know, by a knife-wielding attack, and he was like, what's the girl's name? And he's like, I'm a, it was a friend. He was like, so Sam, my sister-in-law's friends with one of the the cop's wife and, and, and friends, and she said, Dina, Dina Buno, and she said, that's the girl we just, like, found, and, and we got her to the hospital, and like, oh, what a coincidence. So, like, um, there was a lot of people that um, found out were calling um, the hospital um, and they weren't always letting them through because the first week they thought it was a domestic violence assault and they wanted to keep it safe. And then after a week, um, well, my mom snuck Dan's father in um, to the hospital and Dan and like cousins because they were family, but like, um, you know, the, the whole idea is when I started to heal and get better, there were some people that, you know, I saw is not healthy for me after a while. Um, and, uh, you know, one of them, there was a couple of people that I stopped being friends with just because that's what happens. But, like, I'm learning through all that, even though it hurts, that sometimes people aren't good for you. And sometimes you cry over it, but that wouldn't be normal. Like, everybody thinks because you heal that, you know, I've talked to survivors of fires. And I've talked to people who lost people to AIDS. And I compared that with my husband's cancer. 
like, see, John was a really good guy. So that was a healthy healing that I loved him. But I also learned healing is part of life and bad times are a part of life and they teach you lessons. But it's normal that if you stop being friends with people, like I know I have my faults, like when we've gotten into disagreements, that disagreements are sometimes healthy because if you agree with everything, you know what I mean? That's like part of healing because like, um, like I'm opinionated only when it comes to an opinion that like, for example, you know, I'm not going to get into politics because it's dirty, but I can back up my opinion, you know, but yeah, trust me. I'm I'm very opinionated too on certain things, but you know, like I I, I don't like those people who who just call someone a name or and right. they can back up stuff because it's like that's not an argument. That's just a statement. Well, I know some people, um, you know, that um, they were shocked um, during the election when I had a whole different opinion. But then, like, when, um, you know, Dan wanted to make a controversial piece with a girl who was, like, strong. Um, but some people who saw the film, you get all the critics. I was surprised that all the, the film critics that were there were really nice. And Dan said to one of them, um, I did this out of love, not like an investigative journalist that said, oh, let's get in here. But I thought that Dina was like heroic. Um, and somebody said, what's so heroic about a person with autism? And they said, because I battle in my own head. Um, like, for example, my husband gets on my nerves at times, but I love him. Um, there was times when I had agreed with your opinions more than I did his. Like, for example, um, for example, um, you and I are the same, that we're more ambitious and and uh, wanting to do something in a world that's hard. Um, where, like, I'll ask Scott, well, told me that you knew how to... Yeah, can you start that? My... my what? We start that sentence. My internet has been stupid. Oh, what what I wanted to say was, when somebody, um, when somebody is talking, and their own opinions that don't make any sense, but they're talking to hear themselves talk, or if, like, you know, John, my first husband, he was very laid back and. A lot of people enjoyed that because he didn't argue, but he said, you know, everyone's got opinions, you know what they're called, you know? So I, I believe that, um, like some people thought that the movie Rain Man about the savant guy was too cutesy. Um, and we wanted to make a film that, that, you know, that, you know, we had friends and we had a club, but there was a whole secret life with Dina and Scott that, um, you know, I was the one that came up with this. I mean, when I got engaged, when I got engaged to Scott, um, we added Scott to the film. But, you know, at first it was supposed to be about myself. And, like, people were like, no, I like this better because it's teaching 
that everybody can have a relationship if they wanted to and that there's somebody for everybody but I'm just like everybody else. I have dreams and passions. I'm emotional. As a matter of fact, without working as in the mental health system, I can't think of something better. Like these people are helping me heal my traumatic past that I know that I'm not alone, that I can use my kindness as like a tool. That's why I'm a survivor of this and, and those people that I help out. Um, it turned out that while the pandemic was going down and I had a really hard time, I started doing my art and now I really enjoy it. But, um, you know, I'm hoping that it'll pick back up again and I get a job in a mental health center because um, I was working for a private company and they laid off the peers and, you know, so, um, you know, like right after this woman saw my film, she hired me and we couldn't get any clients. Uh, so I was, I had a client and then they quit and that they quit out of the program or they didn't need a peer. And so they went with the private company. And so like, um, I have, I have like, you know, I through through the autism programs and advocacy agencies, you know, I have some clients where I teach life skills for people who are anywhere from 18 to 26 who are starting to age out and they need services like um, funding, how to get SSI, how to go grocery shopping, although um, most of them do life skills or services. I mean, I had to like um, you know, so the pandemic was very difficult, it, you know, so the things that I struggle with from the PTSD is that, you know, I'm very, like, part of me got very strong, and, you know, I, I was brushing things off a lot easier now, um, I mean, I was always a hard worker, but now, um, you know, I don't give up so easily on a subject. I, I, um, I take my stress like earlier today. I felt that part of me was screwing up, and you know, I felt like that I was in a more pleasant way. I felt like I was becoming this bad person if I didn't fight for a time slot to do a podcast. You know, because like. I felt like I was falling apart, like, and my OCD got a little bit worse because, like, I'm fighting to build back the life that I had before the pandemic. You know, it shot down a lot of things, and so that's part of this, that that's everybody. But I, um, I also heard some wonderful advice, like, if somebody's really good to me, and they like me, like, for example, um, I have to admit when I was making the film, it was so exciting being on like camera, but um, that's not all who I was, but I was being recognized. So it was happier to be recognized, but I have to admit for somebody who 
likes the acting industry and that's been on stage before, you know, because it was a craft. But the last thing is that you still have to keep up with feeling good about yourself. And that's a journey I have to take every day. And somebody said to me, some wonderful person said to me that they learned at 10 years old from somebody else who was mentoring them, you know, they're in the acting business and not to mention their name because they knew, know who they are, but they said, you know, somebody told them some good advice that no matter what, be the person that you want to live the rest of your life with. And the truth is it really makes sense because I'm Dina, you know, first, and then, um, so it teaches you. So, that means that people can have their meltdown that we live in a country nowadays we're allowed to have our meltdowns and people on the autism spectrum shouldn't be changed because like too many people want to change people with autism so these critics that told dan and antonio who who were like questioning well why did you like did you have investigative journalists picking at Dina, did you, you know, so that's how I'm surviving. So like this movie gave me a platform, you know, it gave me more writing tools because I was writing. So like, but then again, um, you get haters too. And there were people who were jealous of me and, you know, they left my life. I mean, I had a friend since I was like 10 years old and he turned out to be According to Scott, not so swift. You know what I mean? And he was really jealous and angry with me and told me that, like, my name, Dina. It was Dina is Dina and Dina. And he wasn't proud of me. He was really, like, jealous and angry with me. And he ripped me apart and told me that I was such a snob because I got my own film. And, you know, he was on the spectrum, too. But, like... The whole idea was, I'm just telling you, like yourself, that a job and, um, you know, money and success, you know, it's something, but it's not everything. And so these successful people who don't have autism, you know, that's the moral of the story. Um, I so, want to hear. So before we wrap up. What else, three ways can people move on with their life from a traumatic event like that? Well, that's hard. Um, I'm still moving on. Um, one of them is that your past doesn't define who you are. Like, so um, I remember when I was 20, for an example, I was like, well, I have like a learning disability, so I apologize. And like what's happening to me now a little bit is that I apologize to protect myself. If you ever know I do that, it's a coping mechanism. So it's gotten really bad. So like even with Scott in the kitchen, it's really hard when too many people are around me because I like have to fight or flight. I don't know 
you know. Yeah, I some people told me I apologize way too much, but yeah, well, you apologize way too much. It seems like um, a friend uh, of mine. Well, I am what you call an indie podcaster. If I run out of money, there's nobody backing Crazy Fitness Guy. How you can support Crazy Fitness Guy is becoming a premium subscriber to Crazy Fitness Guy Premium Podcast. Our first plan is called Low Crazy. You'll get 100% ad-free content with zero sponsorships and zero commercials. The second plan we have is called Crazy crazy for 3.99 a month you get access to the full episodes for the full library archives early access to the shows all episodes are ad free shout outs out on the show and you will get be helping support our mission and all the episodes are unedited for the next plan if you go year long for $30 a year they're extremely crazy you get you get everything in the crazy plan plus you'll get access to exclusive members, private, private Facebook group, and bonus ask, ask me about anything episodes, and you get to suggest topics for the show in the Facebook group. So if that, so if you want to help support Crazy Fitness Guy, there's three plans, starting at $2.99 a month, going up to $30 a year. So it's $2.99, the next plan is up is $3.99, and then $30 a year. So thank you for all your support for for the years. And I hope I can, I'm looking forward to continue making content just for you. Thank you. To become a premium podcast subscriber, click the links in the show notes and see which plan is right for you. Well, a friend of mine who passed away, and I'll always remember, we used to say we're sorry so much. A lot of people said, you two were like two peas in a pod. If you got married, all all you would say was, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Well, well, it, I, I think the reason why I do that a lot is because growing up uh, in public school, I did a lot of things I regret now. Yeah, me too. But but as I acted out in a lot of bad ways, but I but I always had to apologize after every single one of those. And so it is, and so now I have time when I, I feel like I'm bugging someone. Well, that's that's uh, PTSD as well because I I did the same thing when I was in, um, when I was in elementary school and I went to a special school. And, well, and so it's funny though. My parents always say to me like, "Jimmy, stop apologizing so, so much." It's like. Well, it's kind of hard not to at the moment because as it seems like uh, everything that I had to do when I was younger because of certain things, and I mean, I was apologetic about them sincerely, but yeah, I know what you, all the times when I got into trouble because of my acting out. Yeah, I used. I don't to, know the total amount of times, but it adds up and it was sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah it does add up i, re I remember um, it, it comes on repeat in my brain yeah, it's called it's called reiteration or perseveration that was a word i used to hate so i remember um a big time uh well, young i remember one time i was acting out over the fact that there was a cancellation of tickets um 
for this dance. It was a local dance and they were changing it to like the next day. And I didn't realize that the next day was only one day. And my mom was trying to tell me, well, why don't we, you know, why don't we have, uh, that's a difference. Um, but a lot of people still remember me when I, like family members, it's the worst. Um, the main five family members sometimes, you know, it's not to knock them because it's very hard to be a, a family member with someone who's autistic. But it was always like I was compared to somebody else. I was, um, it was so like, I remember I had trouble like walking down the stairs like and people remembered but most people forget about it and they like me so so moving on from the trauma um i would say be your authentic self and um is that number two or number one well what do you remember number one what was i saying that don't you're never your, gonna don't let your past define you oh yeah um well the whole idea is all the past things that happen whether or not you flunked a class or if you had trouble walking down the steps, these little autism things. I never flunked anything, but I remember coordination issues. I remember um, ticking really bad and my eyes would blink. What do you mean I by remember, flunk? I remember, oh yeah, um, staring into space. Um, and one of the teachers said I was staring into space and calling attention to myself. And I'll always remember when she said this, uh, you'll never do this. Uh, you know, uh, my mom always, uh, you know, so here part of me was like a good student, but there's these little things and I have a hard time focusing on the bed. Another no, one. Second thing. So, so no, but it's focus on the good and the positive is the second thing, right? So it's like focusing on what you can do instead of what you can't. And sit and like, let's see. Um, in my eyes, I think if you're feeling really bad, give yourself a hug and say everything is going to be fine. And even if it's fine for just a couple of hours, every day is a work in progress, and that you need to focus on the future and leave the past behind because it'll eat you up inside um realize that you're not your past and it happened and you survived it so that's it and um i guess maybe um like my friend said be the person that you want to live the rest of your life with because nobody can do it for you and when you live to please people it's not very free. So, um, I know so, that feeling. Yeah. What? I know that feeling. I remember when I turned 50, I learned more at 50. I was making the film. And so I used to get bothered by every little thing that somebody said. Um, and so somebody said to me, that, that one person who wasn't nice to me said, you know, that I was, you know, that derogatory, derog some derogatory words that um, 
I don't know why a lot of men who are abusers uh, want to use um, filthy words to women. And it was really hard. Um, also that when I had some complications from the scar tissue from all those surgeries, I had a rupture. And he said I was faking it. So I couldn't help but feel like, why do I think he's so important? Because he wanted to be friends with everybody but me. But he got mad at me all the time for everything. Our friendship was based on what he wanted. And he didn't realize that I was a human being. So, like, when we connected, it was because I was attacked. So he was all thrilled about the movie. But when I couldn't hang out with him, he got mad at me. You see what I'm saying? So he got angry yeah. and put it inward. So when I did a story, when I was on the news, you know, I was talking about that feel good about yourself because when you, when you put all that energy, you know, like I had a lot of friends because I wanted to fix broken wings. That's my last one that just came up. So that's like six? Yeah, so don't try to fix anybody, even though you want to, because it doesn't usually work unless they fix themselves. So that's all I have to say. So you know. Well, to end on that note, my I remember when I graduated high school, there was some teachers I quietly said goodbye in my head to. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, uh, that, I mean, that's the nicest way I said it. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say on the show, but I, I really kind of, but how it really happened, I kind of just like slammed the door metaphorically. Uh, oh, okay. So um, it's in your own in your own way, it's closure that sometimes you're not going to get good positive closure with. And one thing, you know, that's pretty good advice there. Cause well, no, what I'm saying though, is like, there are some people, there were some teachers that I liked. There's some I did not like, but the ones I liked, there's some who still saw me as the person who I was years ago. And didn't see me as somebody changed. And didn't see me as, hey, I moved on with my life. Here's what I'm doing now. It is yeah. the same old, same old, like, oh, you're still negative. And it's like, well, I can't be positive all the time. Sorry. Yeah, well, see, that, that's the whole way. The, mis the misconception is, see, I'm a real person and I have real traumas. And I'm going to say it right now. Like, I have mental illness. And it's like having diabetes. You know what I mean? Diabetes is a, a physical ailment for, you know, not enough blood, not enough sugar to the pancreas. It doesn't make enough sugar. Well, mental illness is either the chemicals in the brain need medication to make you feel better or there's some sort of trauma. And ever since I was a little girl um, and, you know, I was born differently. Um, most of my world was special needs and then I moved into the mainstream world and I had two two lives 
And I remember my mother saying out of the goodness of her heart, just act calm and you'll do fine and don't do this. And then I would come home and I would melt down. She was like, why do you do this here? <laughs> why do you melt down here? And I said, well, you told me to be quiet and good in school. And then so, you know, I would get bullied. And then my mother would try to always tell me and the therapist would always try to tell me it's a learning process. And so, like... The whole idea was when I did extracurriculars with other kids, I found my passions like art and all that. So I think maybe that doing art and doing things like that, like I have no choice but to live in my own body, you know? Yeah. I can't be anybody else. So I have to love myself. And then after a while, it just happens. So that's my advice that um, if you don't like yourself, though, no one else is really going to like you. And, and it's a hard world to live. I mean, it's frustrating because I'm not perfect. So it's yeah, a yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I'm a motivational speaker, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be totally honest and uh, have how I'm feeling. Like, if I'm feeling frustrated, I'm going to share I'm feeling frustrated. I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, everything is fine and dandy. It, for me, I, I I like to share the truth with everyone and be yeah. fully transparent. And if I remember, um, I remember um, I had a speaking gig one time, and everything would go wrong, did go wrong, and I had a jacket on, and I put my notes in my pocket, and I don't know where the hell the notes were, and I'm looking everywhere but my pocket, and I hung up the jacket from somewhere else, and. Uh, you know, I stuck it in there and I had to go off the cuff and they really liked it all of a sudden. Um, so I was having the worst panic attack in the world. I was speaking at an autism center and everybody said that I spoke from my heart. So it was great. But like, um, I was really upset. I said, you know, I talked about not wanting to do this. Um, I remember I got such reviews, um, Talk about differences one time, um, you know, with the film. Um, so how lucky was it? So I traveled all over the world before Sundance came out and after. And one time, um, so I was in the hospital. I had a rupture. Um, so they had to fix that. Um, I was sick to my stomach in between myself getting sick and vomiting everywhere. I... Um, you know, I'm honest, and uh, I had to miss one of the premieres, Scott, uh, you know, um, said thank you to everybody. Um, so I missed Mondays, then we had Tuesday and Wednesday to recuperate. Thursday night, I was still in the hospital, and Friday I got out of the hospital. I was packed to go to London in, two, in a week, but I ended up going to the last two big premieres, and it was gigantic, but the first one, I was so upset I couldn't eat anything. I was in for five days, and that's short for a rupture. So I was leaking from scar tissue, from peritonitis, you know, so they have to keep you in. But um, I got sick in New York at one of the director's houses. I wasn't in my own bed, and I woke them up in the middle of the night. Well, yeah, you know, there, uh, there's the last story before we wrap up. My, th there was this um, 
I was doing this speaking gig. Uh, I think it was it was my first virtual convention. I Where was, was it? It was a virtual convention, and it was on Facebook. And I was so nervous because it was my like very first convention I, I got invited to. I wanted to make a really great impression. Well, that night, I, let's just say technology was not working for me. Uh, I made some slides, like very, I'm going to admit my very first slides that I made. I mean, I wouldn't say my first because I did PowerPoint in high school and whatnot in middle school, but my very first slides as a speaker was too wordy. And, but my, the document wasn't coming up. It was slow after slow after slow to the point where it's like, okay, you know, I'm just going to do this off there. I'm just going to do this off, um, off the cuff and off the Temporaneously off. Yeah. And off the cuff and everything. I just wanted to. And so I was like, I know it's not the best way to be prepared. I was nervous that like, is anybody going to like this? And about halfway into it, I got all these different comments on it. It's like, Jimmy, it's like, you're doing really great and whatnot. I'm like, I am? And it's like, and I, and I was like thinking, it's like, okay, you know, the next, before, if I, if I get invited next time, I'm gonna make sure everything is working just so I stay on topic because I sometimes went on a few rants here and there, but I think people like the rants here and there. And yeah. I, so 